first week of public impeachment hearings is in the books. Three diplomats, two days of testimony, and one deep partisan divide. Diplomats described a shadow diplomacy campaign in Ukraine on behalf of the president. And Friday, the president, President Trump, injected a real-time broadside on Twitter. It sets the stage for this week's appearance by Ambassador Gordon Sondland. He'll have to explain that out-in-the-open phone call to President Trump from his cell phone and confirming that Ukraine would investigate the Bidens. And two other diplomats who were there heard Trump talk about the investigations. Then there was that electrifying moment when Ambassador Marie Yovanovitch talked about losing her job and getting smeared by the president while the president was tweeting a new smear about her. Watching it all from the hearing room, South Florida Congresswoman Debbie Mukersell Powell. We spoke with her by satellite late this week. Congresswoman Debbie Mukersell Powell, great to see you via satellite. Thanks for your time this morning. Great to have you here. Congresswoman, we know that we are only into the first couple of days of the impeachment inquiry. You were in the room on Wednesday listening to the testimony. Have what you have heard, have what the American people heard changed anybody's mind? Has it changed your mind? Well, Michael, first let me start by saying that I didn't come to Washington, D.C. to impeach the president. I actually came to lower health care costs, protect our communities from gun violence. We saw yet another shooting in California this week and also protect our environment. So this is a very difficult time. It's weighing heavily on me and the caucus. I think that the testimony that we heard from Ambassador Taylor and uh, appointee Kent was very damning for this president. And what we saw are two witnesses who are career diplomats who have served the country for over two, three decades who are nonpartisan. You, you could clearly hear from their testimony. They don't have any partisanship. They had very serious concerns that the president abused the power of his office to extort the Ukrainian government in order to benefit politically for his own private gain. And this is extremely dangerous for our national security. It's against the Constitution. It's against the law. And I do think that there are certain individuals who are in the middle, you know, that are still just wanting to find out all the truth and, and hear all the evidence. Congresswoman Ambassador Taylor, George Kent, Ambassador Yovanovitch, we're listening to them methodically go through what they know and what they did. In, in the bigger picture, it seems Democrats are quite sure that the president violated his oath of office. Republicans are quite sure he did not. So with what you're seeing, can anything be said by anyone to move anybody's needle or is this going to be a foregone conclusion? You know, I think that what needs to happen here is uh, really take a look at the documentary evidence that we have been presented. We have a transcript of a phone call. We also have text messages that confirm a lot of the uh, whistleblower's complaint. So we have evidence. It's, it's not necessarily to listen to what they have been saying. They are confirming everything that the whistleblower brought to our attention. It's the reason why we had 
to conduct the investigation. And uh, it was important for me to keep an open mind, and I continue to keep an open mind, but it was important for me to hear firsthand, since I sit on the Judiciary Committee on Wednesday, the testimony of the two witnesses. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought that Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio put on this Intelligence Committee to be sort of the uh, attack dog for the Republicans actually did a good job, as it were, in presenting his case against uh, the inquiry. And essentially what he said, if I heard him correctly, was, hey, it's no big deal because in the end, uh, Ukraine got the $391 million. Uh, no favors were done. Uh, so what's the big deal? So if it is a big deal, what is the big deal? So it's in this country, no one is above the law. And we have very clear rules and laws that prohibit this type of behavior. The attempt to commit a crime is still a crime. If you have someone that enters a bank to try to rob the bank and gets caught, but doesn't leave the bank with the money, it doesn't mean that that person did not commit a crime. So I think it's very important for the American public to remember that. And so the reason why those funds were released uh, was because we actually got the complaint from the whistleblower. So if right. you look at the timeline, the, the, the timeline is going to be very important here as well. And, you know, we have been investigating for such a long time that I think what's happening is that the American public is confused, they've disconnected, but the, the clarity of this investigation comes through uh, looking at the documentary evidence and remembering that the President of the United States abused the power of his office to extort a foreign nation, which is a, a strategic ally for us here in the United States. It's something that we cannot allow, not from this president, not from any president. You know, you brought up something really important, and that is intent. A few weeks ago on this program, your colleague, Congressman Mario Diaz-Balart, Republican of Miami, was here. We were talking a lot about this, and he said something very interesting. Well, I should say one of the Republicans, all the Republicans who are dead set against this whole process anyway. Um, what he talked about was the president on that phone call, that's how he talks. You hear him, he's off the cuff, he's not like other presidents talk. Um, and should we allow that to be his way? And he really didn't intend at all to bribe or coerce anyone. How, what do you think of that argument, the intent argument, and that is just the way President Trump talks? Look, we, we need to remember that we are leaders in democracy and freedom and liberty, that we have uh, the institutions here that our founding fathers created to have a strong democracy in the United States. Uh, president Trump is the president of the United States. We are losing credibility. We are losing leadership. We're undermining our national security. And words matter. And words matter, matter specifically from this president. And let's remember that we have evidence that Russia interfered in the 2016 elections. Uh, what he did by withholding aid to the Ukraine is very dangerous because it benefits Russia. So uh, we, we do need to pay attention to his words. And uh, he has to listen to his advisors, if he has any around him, so that he understands that this went against a long uh, relationship that we've had with the Ukraine since 2014 when Russia invaded the Ukraine. So this, again, is very dangerous behavior. And 
we need to look at everything that happened, continue to hear all the evidence, um, because we Th this really will determine the future of our democracy and what type of precedent we're going to leave, not just for this president, but for other future com presidents coming into the office. Uh, Congresswoman, as you mentioned earlier, you are a member of the House Judiciary Committee, a very important role. And if articles of impeachment are drafted, they will be drafted by you and your colleagues on that committee. Mm -hmm. On Thursday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi used the word bribery. As you were well aware, the Constitution says impeachment can be brought for uh, against the president for treason, bribery, or other high crimes and dis misdemeanors. So is bribery going to be, if you think there are going to be articles, going to be the principal charge? So we're not there yet. We need to complete all the public hearings and then all that evidence will be presented to the Judiciary Committee and then we need to, with our attorneys in the Judiciary Committee, look at all the evidence. So I don't want to jump to what type of articles we will be drafting yet. You know, this is uh, the first week, this has been the first week when the American public gets to watch firsthand the proceedings. They don't need to watch the cable news pundits interpret it, however, one way or the other. Do you think the fact that now the American people can watch and interpret on their own, might that have an effect come next November? I think so, Glenna. And let me just share with you a quick story. During Veterans Day, I was surprised because there were, I went to a ceremony in Homestead and also I attended a parade. And there were a few veterans that came to me very concerned about what they're hearing from the president and looking forward to the hearing. So I do think that it's going to have an effect on the 2020 elections. And uh, I trust the American people and I trust my community. I trust the people living in South Florida, in the state of Florida. We have people that are paying attention, that are listening, that are going to take their time to understand what evidence is being presented. And I think that this could definitely affect uh, 2020 for s some senators uh, who are facing elections and also for the president. Uh, Representative, you have made gun reform a central part of your public life. Your father uh, was killed in an incident of gun violence. And then Thursday morning in Santa Clarita, California, 16-year-old boy walks into a school, high school, opens fire, uh, kills two people, two young people, several more are wounded. When you heard this, you know, uh, this awful tragedy, heard about it, what did you think? Michael, the, the level of frustration I really cannot describe to you because from the moment that I came into Congress and I was appointed to the Judiciary Committee, I have been working with my colleagues in that committee and with others in the caucus to pass common sense gun reform. And it was the first time in the past 26 years that we were able to bring to the floor a universal background check bill, which is a bipartisan bill that is supported by 90% of Americans. We sent it to the Senate back in March. Now, we, we know that that's not going to pre prevent every single mass shooting, but we know that it would, will help with the gun epidemic that we see. This is a public health crisis. And when I hear of a shooting every, every week, it seems like, and, and in my community, we have shootings on a very consistent basis. It's one of the reasons why I decided that I needed to represent this district. In South Dade, we have some of the highest rates of gun violence for kids under the age of 18. So 
we we need to continue to put pressure on the Senate. I don't understand how Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell can ignore the will of the people. This is an epidemic. We don't see shootings like this in other first world nations. We have to protect our communities. We have to do everything we can to protect our children from these shootings. I, I My heart breaks to think of the parents that have lost their children. I have a 14-year-old, and I did hear of a 14-year-old yep. that lost his life uh, this past week. So uh, we, we will continue to do the work. I am actually a very involved member of the Gun Violence Caucus here in Washington, and I will be heading the Survivors Cau Caucus because a lot of us have been affected by gun violence here in Congress. I lost my father. Lucy McBath lost her son. And uh, we have many members that are personally very close to this issue. So um, I just want to say that my commitment is to continue to work on this issue to prevent these violent um, episodes that we continue to see. Congresswoman, I'm wondering if you, I don't, I don't want to take you off guard, we have not spoken about this. Attorney General Bill Barr has announced this week a program in his office called Project Guardian. I'm wondering if you heard of that. Essentially, it's a program out of the AG's office to further some sort of gun safety laws, but using the existing laws and forming partnerships. So no new law, but a focus on what exists already. Have you, have you heard of that, and, and what do you think? I heard of it very briefly. I haven't looked at it. I haven't read it. I'm curious to see what he intends to do. And Glenna, I, I am willing to work with anyone in this administration, with the attorney general, with the president, with my Republican colleagues, to do whatever we can to pass laws, to work on programs, to support um, more security in our schools. Whatever it is that we need to do, we need to do it. And this shouldn't be a political issue. Yeah, Congresswoman, before we run out of time, another issue that you have made a centerpiece of your career uh, are DREAMers and DACA. And earlier this week, there were arguments in the Supreme Court whether DACA was legally permissible or not. Uh, the questions from the court never can really go too far with what those questions mean, but there seemed to be an indication that while uh, justices like Justice Gorsuch were sympathetic, that they think that you know, DACA probably uh, is not legal. What, what, how did you read that? You know, we, we were waiting to see how those hearings went, and I actually went down to the Supreme Court just to say hello to some of the DREAMers that are from Florida's 26th District that were there waiting to hear. And uh, it doesn't surprise me that they are maybe siding with the president because we now have a much more conservative bench. But the reality is that, as you know, and we've talked about this before, we have thousands of dreamers that live in the state of Florida that are as Americans as all of us. They don't know any other country as their home country except the United States. And they are now teaching in our schools. They are nurses. They are entrepreneurs. And they contribute billions to our economy. And I have talked to many of my Republican friends in Florida who are very concerned because they are their employees and they want us to find a solution here. So the what I suspect is and what I hope happens is that at least the courts will allow the dreamers that have been that have received the DACA uh, designation you know, prior because it was intended to protect them right. and maybe just not renew new ones. So 
at the very least, I hope that it doesn't affect the, those DACA recipients that have already been um, using that permit well, to remain in the United States. Project out, if you will. I mean, if the, the appeals court, the ruling that the Supreme Court took up was based on, you can, not that you can't end DACA because it's a legal program, no, the, the appeals court said you can't end it because so many people rely on it and there's so many jobs involved with it and the economy is so dependent on it, which was kind of a different argument. So project out, if the Supreme Court decides that DACA must end, that doesn't necessarily mean that 700,000 young people will be deported, especially when you remember the, the president actually said, we're going to find a way. Mm -hmm. Project out, what do you, you think is going to happen there? Uh, you know, that's exactly what I was saying, that it, my expectation is that even if they believe moving forward that this is not a legal program, that they will allow those hundreds of thousands of DREAMers and DACA recipients to remain in the United States because of the expect expectation, because it was passed previously and they have expected to remain in the United States and they have their lives here. So we'll see. I mean, we, we don't know yet. Um, I really do think that public opinion influences the the court's decisions many times regardless of whether they're conservative or not so moving forward I hope that those that are right now here who have um, gotten the designation uh, who are DACA recipients can remain here legally and will become legal US citizens that's what we expect but at the same time I, I mean I do think that it's important for all of us to remember that elections matter and that we may be able to change the laws in 2020 if we appoint the right people to Congress, to the House, to the Senate, and to the White House. Elections have consequences, no question. Representative Debbie Marcus Powell, we really appreciate your time. We will see you back here in South Florida soon. Take care. Thank you so much.